to our guest a quick message from our sponsor. We've had the COVID virus, and now we have the monkeypox virus. And we found out that a month or two before each of them, there were simulations of how they might be spread upon the world. What do our globalist masters have in store for us next? You can be sure there's something. But what can you do about it? The best thing you can do is to keep your immune system resistant, resilient, and clean. You can do that by going to zstacklife.com. Dr. Zelenko has developed a system, a protocol supplement system that has saved thousands of patients that he treated with very few hospitalizations. You can go to zstacklife.com and get the ZStack protocol. You can get the protocol for children and the detox formula. If you go to zstacklife.com and use promo code CDM, you can get a 5% discount for off all of the products. So keep your immune system healthy as we wait for the next virus to come down the pike. Go to promo to go to zstacklife.com and use promo code CDM for a 5% discount. And now let's get to our guest. Welcome, everybody, to our globalist show in plain sight. We are back with Sasha Latipova. Welcome again, Sasha. Hi, Christine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you know, I think the world's world's not good, but we are back to dis- to continue our discussion about everything Pfizer. And today, mm-hmm. I guess you know every you know it's amazing because it's it's just every week there's a, there's another drop of information. Mm-hmm. And there's another another discernment, another everybody gets upset about something who's taking a look at this. So let's let's talk about the miscarriages and the fertility uh, and the, that's in the deep dive. And this is I should I should note this for our audience. This is not something that we're speculating about. This is inside Pfizer's documents. Let's talk about that because the numbers are pretty alarming. Uh, yes, so uh, there are various numbers uh, being cited and they're publicly available now. And um, there are a couple of sources. One is Pfizer's own clinical trial. And uh, the other main source uh, people are citing is uh, Pfizer's internal pharmacovigilance report, which was issued uh, by end of February 2021, just two months after uh, the injections were rolled out globally. Um, and uh, both of them are extremely alarming as far as the rates of um, uh, miscarriages, uh, complications of pregnancy, congenital abnormalities, um, deaths of newborns, um, and all sorts of issues. And, and uh, also, as you know, I've done a, a review of preclinical data for Pfizer, which is all the animal studies. Mm-hmm. And clearly in those studies, there are serious issues uh, with with that particular issue with reproductive toxicology. So so you know so they're alarming and they knew about it in the clinical trials. They knew about it in the early by February. I think it was February the end of February 2021. Mm-hmm. Yet they didn't pull they didn't pull the shots. No, and they, they, they kept on saying it's okay for pregnant women. 
It's yeah. So childbearing years. Yes, I I I even want to step back and um. So as you know, there there was a contract, uh, Operation uh, Warp Speed, uh, DOD contract uh, with Pfizer, which was uh, um, the first contract that they um, put together to order uh, first hundred million of the vaccine to be manufactured. And Pfizer received $1.9 billion for that manufacturing. The whole contract is called uh, manufacturing demonstration, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very explicit in the fact that Pfizer doesn't have to comply with any uh, with anything and doesn't is not liable for anything. Uh, but in that contract specifically, they have a paragraph where they're talking about making this uh, making this concoction for pregnant women. They specifically cite four million pregnant women in the United States annually, and so they want to target them. So it's their explicit target in that. DOD Operation Warp Speed contract, along with children as well. And uh, that's that stood out to me right away. What, why would you specify something like this? So, that, uh, so that, is that not normal in the contract, Sasha? I mean, you can put anything you want in the contract, really, but it's in, in the context of something extremely experimental, something hugely, hugely experimental. So they're, they're, they're themselves admitting that um, this product is um, not a well-designed product because they don't have time. That's why we have operation warp speed. So we need to make something extremely quickly, mm-hmm. something that takes tens of years, 20 years to properly test. And pregnant women and children are the last categories of people who get anything, any new medication because it takes so long to, to meet that safety bar. That's the right. ultimate safety bar. Women and children are precious. Um, they're healthy. Uh, that's why women get pregnant when they're healthy. Um, so there's nothing really, there's no uh, particular risk. And if you're giving something preventative to that group, that's the highest safety bar that exists in the world. Is And, and that's, that is known within, within the industry? Oh, absolutely. All the guidelines are written that way. All the regulations for pediatric indications or indications in pregnancy are written that way. So you, you have to jump through enormous amounts of hoops uh, uh, to, to reach that safety bar if you're doing it honestly, ethically, and you're actually trying to improve the health care of pregnant women and children. Now, if you're doing something at a, on an extremely fast time schedule, let's let's assume we believe they're you know, global pandemic crisis disaster, mm-hmm. and we need to put something really quickly together, and we have this warp speed operation, fine, give them benefit of a doubt. Why are you immediately identifying this group as your target group? What, 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 what comes to mind to, in answering your own question? I, uh, I mean, a whole bunch of atrocities come to mind. I, I, like, I don't want to be that dark and thinking, you know, bad things right away. But, you know, frankly, that's not right away. It took me a long, a long time to evaluate this data and think about it deeply and see, it, see the evidence. But I believe they are targeting uh, women of reproductive potential and they're targeting children. And their, their targets are really, you know, something dark, depopulation-based, control-based. They intentionally want to make them sick because also given all the inaction, of healthcare regulators, when they see this data and they know this data and they have it in their possession, they've reviewed it, we know it for a fact, 
and they keep going and saying, oh, you know, there's benefit of this vaccination in this population, mm-hmm. that it's, it's intentional, you know, it's intentional. And so that, to me, that's so. So step number one, they've identified this, tar- this as a target in their warp speed contract for manufacturing. So the contract itself is titled manufacturing demonstration. And within the contract, and let's let's talk about that for a second for the audience. Yeah. When we talk about them, I mean, what, what would it normally be called if it wasn't under Operation Warp Speed? If it's not Operation Warp Speed, it would be a normal procurement of government buying a particular medication or ordering, you know, a, entering into a relationship with a pharmaceutical vendor to uh, make uh, to order a particular type of medicine, let's say, for which uh, um, normal markets would not let's say incentivize a manufacturer to to make it for example if it's another antibiotic um and antibiotics are cheap and there are a lot of generic ones and as a business it, you may think well you know i have to spend uh 100 billion dollars 10 years of research and development at, at my total market may be uh 100 million dollars why would i make that investment then the government can step it step in and say I think it's it's important to have this medicine available and here's the contract but the contract will be just you know will will give you funding or will will order it uh, buying this product but the product has to comply with everything it's just the same as every so it wouldn't it wouldn't say the word demonstration no 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 it would what not is, be what, is that, what does that mean what does the demonstration mean I would like to in, in this industry under these circumstances. I've just, never heard of, I've never heard of a demonstration in this industry. Nothing in this in this industry is a demonstration. So I'd like to have an answer for, to that question too. But the contract is titled manufacturing demonstration and it's actually it describes uh how it's a demonstration. It's a demonstration of making hundreds of millions of doses of stuff. Mm. And nothing else. It's just a, a demonstration of manufacturing capability to produce particular biologics in large, large volumes and ship them globally. So that's that. And I said, okay, fine. Maybe you want to test that cap- capability. Why are you identifying pregnant women and children as your targets in this, in this context? I, it's a good question. I, I, you know, it's some lawyer who wrote that contract probably has an answer to that. And I would probably mm-hmm. say it's a CYA, you know, mm-hmm. it's basically covering somebody's, somebody's derriere out there. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. So, so, so then, then we go through this. So we know that they've created this warp speed operation. They right. subverted a whole bunch of processes and previously established uh, good regulatory practices, good manufacturing practices and good, good science practices in pharmaceuticals. They completely uh, eliminated that rigor. And instead they said, well, first of all, we're going to just inject mass, uh, you know, go into clinical trials right from the start before animal experiments. We're going to then complete animal experiments sometime later. And what they did was just a bunch of sham fraudulent um, fraudulent studies to cover up their tracks, but no real rigorous testing. And then as far as the reproductive toxicology part, well, by law, you're not allowed to give um, uh, women and men of reproductive potential uh, any experimental medicines until the reproductive toxicology is fully assessed and that risk is removed. And that's usually done in, in animal studies because they didn't have it when they started clinical trials. They wrote in their protocols that 
nobody so it should be two forms of contraception no sex for 28 days nobody is allowed to have any sex or any pregnancies and uh even exposure of uh uh, a pregnant woman to a vaccinated partner was considered an adverse event reportable to the clinical site. And they have a section and protocol for that. Um, so in the clinical trial, they protected themselves. But as you know, CDC immediately went and, and started doing advertisements to directly to pregnant women. That's another, another thing that points to intent. Like they're not so incompetent that they don't know this, but they go and advertise directly to pregnant women. So, so what do we have here? We do we have we have some crazy people that are running the running the planet, who are just thinking that people are not going to do the deep dive, look at the weeds of the contract, the protocol, ask the questions. I mean, there's too many people in your business not to know. I mean, I don't expect to know. I'm I'm, I'm yeah, I'm just a journalist. I just I just ask the questions and try to figure out what's going on, but. Do they think that there are are not too many of you in the business that um, know what the rules of, of engagement are? That's it. That's another very good question. Like I ask it myself every day. I I, I mean, I, do they really think that they're not going to get away, that they are going to get away with this? Yes, they. I I think they believe they're going to get away with this, and I believe they knew it will come out because also the ways they wrote certain things, it was clear that they anticipated it coming out. Um, and they anticipated people questioning it. Now, um, as far as people like myself who are familiar with regulations, I, I know of three to five other colleagues who have started speaking, and that's all over the world. So that includes Australia, UK, and Canada. Um, and that's that's all. You know, everybody else who knows this, who, who, who can read the same documents I do and has the same thoughts that I do, I'm sure, they're just silent. And maybe that's what they were count, counting on. And I, people, so, people would be intimidated and then they would just would be, Yes, intimidated, uh, pushed into groupthink, um, just coerced and threatened in some ways, uh, be afraid to lose their jobs, all sorts of issues. And they're just keeping silent. And so uh, I, I'd like to have other colleagues speak up and start looking into this and start reading these documents and asking these questions. But I frankly, so far, it's been fairly lonely road. I mean, I do have some really good colleagues, but it's, it's there are too few of us, too few of us speaking up. You know, that's scary. That's It's scary because if, if we don't have people like you speaking up, Sasha, we're 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 in we're we're in a worse shape than I think that that we are in. I mean that's that's a scary because this is intentional. This is this is not this is. I guess when I sit back and I say I said this, the documents speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the best way to impeach anybody is with their own words. Every mm -hmm. time that Fauci would speak, I would think to myself, this is another piece of evidence. Mm -hmm. Every time he said this is safe and effective, and he forgot to say they're 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 safe and effective, but not for everybody, or mm -hmm. we didn't follow the rules, and we really don't know you know what we're doing here, and this is a demonstration, and I mean all the things that we're finding out. How did we get to this point, and how do we get out of it? Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a big problem. I sort of have an idea how we got into this uh, mess, and um, it's 
the the you know currently people don't understand that and the biggest lie is that these products are pharmaceutical products they're not um also another biggest lie is that well obviously they're not vaccines they're not even a pharmaceutical product mm -hmm. um they're countermeasures and uh it's not a conspiracy anybody listening i i encourage you go type into search engine countermeasures and you will see what that is um and uh these explain products that, explain that to the audience because most, yeah. most people don't understand that the, the reason i found out is when um i remember it was yeah maybe a year ago more than a year year and a half ago when they was just started rolling them out somehow i had a, a a hunch to go look in the national vaccine injury fund which products are added so when they started rolling them out as vaccines i decided to go look up national vaccine injury fund and which products are under that national vaccine injury fund and whether these were included and they were not mm -hmm. uh, while cdc was in fauci and everybody were on tv telling people these are vaccines they're safe just like vaccines you know mm -hmm. um, and so so they're not on that list uh, and i was like well what is, what are they and then i found that they were called countermeasures countermeasures are military grade um potions i mean magic juice it's anything it can be anything really does, uh, it come, does it come under the category of bioweapons it could but they 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 call it uh they call it countermeasures and and right away in that name you should uh also ask yourself counter measures against what <laughs> you know so uh and you fight weapons with what other weapons right so yes they are they are essentially bi biological, chemical, or radiological weapons, uh, or countermeasures against those. And uh, the 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 premise behind them is that in the uh, absolute disaster attack, you know, somebody throws a nuclear bomb at us, uh, the government has the right to come up with some really quick and dirty ways to you know protect citizens. And well, I mean, you can. If it's intended as, as well intended, yeah, you understand. In the crisis, we're bombed, you know, things are going completely horrible. We use whatever methods and we're off, like we're offering whatever methods to our citizens to protect themselves. And then we are absolved of responsibility as a government, whoever offers these things, right? Fine. That, that seems reasonable to me. But then when you go and force your citizens to, to take those countermeasures and by the way you know you're going to lose your job you're going to lose your school you get so i i lose your income yeah gonna, I, i'm not yeah i'm not arguing with the premise or concept of countermeasures yes i think i can see scenarios where they're necessary and no nobody should be held liable if it's all on voluntary basis okay and everybody is informed about what is going on but when you but when you tell your citizens it's a medicine for mm -hmm. health and you must take it because it's medicine for health. You're lying about the nature of the whole situation we're in. You know, so they're doing one thing and they're, and they're acting completely differently. So, th so this week I participated in a, um, a, a forum with Australia. It was an all day forum. Um, and <clears throat> we were talking a lot about Pfizer. And the conversation was interesting. There were a couple of Americans, myself, Peter Corey, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, Brooke Jackson, uh, 
Orna Mendenhall, and then and, and most everybody else was from Australia. And it was very interesting because it's the same conversation that we have here in the United States. It's the same mm -hmm. conversation that we have with the European friends. It's mm -hmm. the same conversation that people are having in Canada. Yeah. And people are, are questioning, you know, what is the government doing? And, and one of the things I think is so fascinating is they, and I've, I've, I told these, these Australians, they need to have a royal commission. They need mm -hmm. to actually have a royal commission in Australia. And that, that's when the, it's an independent sitting body where people get to the bottom of this because we're not going to do it here in the United States for the U.S. pharmaceuticals. So we have to do we have to go overseas where mm -hmm. the U.S. pharmaceuticals are being um, these shots are being distributed. And and I, th I thought to myself, isn't this crazy? We have all these people all over the world that are questioning this. We have. We, yes, there's a large part of the population. That, that's not question it. They just want they want everybody like you and me to just be quiet and mm -hmm. move on and let's get past this and you know let's see where, where this goes. But if we don't want if we don't want this to happen again, we have to examine this. Absolutely, because they are doing it again as mm -hmm. we speak. They're updating their shots. So now uh, using this, so people need to understand why we can't move past this because we haven't moved past this. It's the media is telling you, oh, forget it. It's 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 great. Let's just go on vacation now and everything is wonderful. Uh, <laughs> but what the, what the FDA and, and farmers are doing, they're, uh, they now got away from uh, doing clinical trials at all. Right. There are no no clinical trials are required in the future for these shots, and, and tell tell the audience how that came about, Sasha, because you know uh -huh. pe people are I think it's they've been fed the lie, so uh -huh. they think that there's animal testing, they think that there's toxicality testing, they think that there's safety testing, and the truth is going forward there are they have decided. Mm -hmm. flat out decided at the FDA, this is Dr. Peter Marks and his, mm -hmm. his goons over there. They're goons. Mm -hmm. They're decided that now we don't have to, we don't have to have any tests. Yeah. So this is, this is craziness. There's no regulations. Yeah. There are no regulations for these products and specifically for Pfizer and Moderna. So not, not only they singled out this, this category of mRNA shots, they also, they also created a cartel, uh, a monopoly or duopoly, but it's really controlled by the same people. So it's a cartel mm -hmm. uh, that is completely exempt from any future clinical trial requirements. Now, all the other competitors that let's say, for example, if you fully believe in vaccines and you think that there should be innovation and there should be new technologies and new types of vaccines coming to the market. So all the new innovative companies still have to comply with all the clinical trial requirements, but these two don't. So what do you think is going to happen in the competitive environment? Of course, nobody's gonna be able to put drugs on the market or new vaccines on the market because they have this huge regulatory bar in front of them and they have to meet all of those requirements and spend money and time. And these two uh, can just crank out new versions, updated versions every six months or so, whatever they want. So and Will that open up the market to all the other pharmaceutical companies no. that want to get in, that want to get in on the mRNA market? No, no, no. Until uh, and and you can see right now the sort of Novavax is a sham competition, right? So F FDA emergency use authorized it, and then immediately slapped a warning label on it. Uh, and the Novavax still has to do clinical trials and sit there and and uh, 
uh, you know, spend money and try to prove themselves. And every time they'll come up with some piece of data, FDA will slap another warning on it. And so you have this pretense competition going on. Uh, not that Novavax is great. It's just as garbage as the rest of them. But I'm just showing an example of another company, not Pfizer or Moderna. Uh, and uh, and that's, that's what's going to happen. And they're going to continue placing huge orders with Pfizer and Moderna because they're proven platforms. Uh, and, uh, you know, they will allow them to update their products without any um, testing. So what does that tell you as somebody who has overseen hundreds of clinical trials with 60 different pharmaceuticals, you know, for decades, and you've also worked at Pfizer and you have, you know, dealt with at the FDA. What does that tell you that, the, I mean, you're in such a unique position with mm -hmm. that experience. What does that tell you? Well, the, the um, FDA, just as the rest of federal government is completely captured by these corporations. Um, and I mean, I still have questions who captured whom, but practically no difference. It's no difference. Uh, they emerged, they kind of fused uh, the um, corporate, the Pfizer, Moderna corporate, their bankers, their backers, their investors, mm -hmm. uh, corporate side and the federal government, such as Janet Woodcock, Peter Marks, uh, you know, Rachel Olansky, Fauci, uh, they're all in each other's pockets. I don't know who controls whom, but they're fused. And so they all have now uh, uh, their aligned incentives to keep this cartel and to protect it from any competition, any inquiry, any truth, uh, uh, and any sort of you know public pushback. So that's why they're like so aligned with this and all the stuff that they're putting in. So for example, um, the Pfizer, when they were approving data for babies and children. I know I spoke with um, a colleague from the industry who knows uh, somebody high up at Pfizer vaccines. And, and that person, they knew, they, uh, they told him that they didn't have data to approve for children. Data was not there. It was really weak. And data was horrific, frankly. I, I mean, uh, so this is this is this is for the the the, the six month old to the five or from five mm -hmm. to 11 yeah. or both, yeah, both. But this conversation took place right before the 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 six months old to four year, to five year old. So this this would have, this would have been like three or four months ago. Yeah, yeah, it's just just a couple months ago, and uh, that person knew they didn't have the data at Pfizer. They they knew they didn't have the data. In fact, uh, they told the FDA that we don't have the data. It's not it's not up to spec to approve in this category, and the FDA told them no, 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 just submit it. Will be approved. What's the, what was the conversation, that the person that you spoke to, that spoke to the person at Pfizer, what was their conversation at that point in time? Uh, well, he was shocked. Uh, and he was shocked. This is a guy who works at Pfizer. And no, this is a, guy, a, a guy works in another pharmaceutical company, but he knows somebody at Pfizer vaccines. And um, and so I can, I even, I have a clip of it. Um, <laughs> this, this was from a Zoom call and from a group Zoom call. I can right. send you that clip. You can listen yourself. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's, so this, this, this is what I, what I, I need to understand. Mm -hmm. So people on the inside of the industry, they, they suspect, they know, they hear, they have conversations with people. Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't anybody walking around and, and saying, you're going to, you're going to meet the, you're going to meet the face of God at some point. 
I wonder I mean, where are people's consciences? That's what I can't understand. This is so dark. This is so deliberate and people cannot be this unconscious, uh, uh, unconscious about it. I mean, this is, this is, they're consciously without a conscience operating on this very dark level of not giving a damn. And that's the part that I don't understand. It's right in plain sight. Absolutely. I, I, I am shocked myself. I'm still shocked to the core that people are, appear to be like this. I, frequently have conversations with my friends and neighbors. I have a very nice neighbor here, the elderly couple. And uh, we, you know, I, I started giving them this information and even because I worry about them and their health and, and they don't believe me because, and, and um, you know, the, the gentleman tells me, well, I cannot believe, I know most people are good. Most people want to do the right thing. And that's all of our belief, right? We, we think that- we want, every, we want, we, Yeah, we, we want to think that evil doesn't exist. On we the want to think that evil doesn't exist and that people want to do the right thing. And my response is, well, that's true that people want to do the right thing, except when it becomes inconvenient. When it's slightly inconvenient, most people, don't they just fold they just fold even when they know it's wrong i mean there's a small percentage that are totally brainwashed and believe the evil narrative and and they believe that that's the truth but that's a small percentage and then there are these psychopaths that are driving this whole evil agenda but the vast majority let's say 60 70 percent they just go along they just go along for convenience they don't want to inconvenience themselves they don't want to look um like they're questioning something people people don't people are afraid to stand up the, but, but it just takes a couple of people to do it and, yeah. and to rip the curtain back and so that everybody understands you know what's really going on yeah but that's why we have to continue to speak i i don't care who calls me what names i don't care if i get canceled I, I I published on LinkedIn, uh, you know, yesterday was anniversary, 75 years of conclusion of Nuremberg, Nuremberg uh, doctor's trials, right? So I, I posted something, uh, actually a transcript from Nuremberg uh, trials, and uh, that got censored because, you know, it went against their community standard guidelines. And I thought, well, really? Uh, this is... Well, I, I reject all that. I, I've never done LinkedIn. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't do Facebook. I, I reject them, okay? Because I don't, they're not up to my standards. I, I mean, that, that's that's what I feel at this point in time. Um, yeah. But but let's get back to Pfizer. Mm -hmm. So what, what's an, what's another side of the, this piece of the pie that, you, that you've taken a look at in terms of Pfizer that, that you think that the audience needs to focus on? Right. So um, let's go back to the issue of reproductive toxicology. Um, as um, as I said, they didn't test it properly in animals. They right. only sort of uh, they started right away in humans, although sort of protected themselves legalistically with this protocol. Uh, but then right even before the protocol was completed, CDC already pushed it on to pregnant women as if it's safe and effective. But there was no basis to make that statement because the studies were not completed. The animal experiments were not uh, were not GLP, not good laboratory practice compliant, meaning their data is not reliable. And even in those animal studies, when they did do the, the reproductive toxicology assessments in rats, and that study was published uh, by Pfizer, uh, in that study, they found uh, a large number of abnormalities. Like for example, the um, there was a 140% increase in loss of 
embryo pre-implantation, meaning it prevents pregnancy from happening. Uh, compared to unvaccinated, it was 140% higher, the prevention of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, some rats did get pregnant. And once they delivered the babies, there was about 300% increase in uh, uh, skeletal malformations of babies. And that in, that's indicative of uh, congenital abnormalities and, and uh, improper development of uh, human embryo. Uh, obviously, rats and, and humans, they have d- very different gestational uh, process and how, it's de- how it develops. But it just indicates that this particular product affects a critical stage in the development of the baby where all these malformations have happened. And uh, Pfizer published all this. You can see that paper and you can yourself calculate these numbers I just gave you uh, very easily. In the title of the paper, they say no no adverse effects on pregnancy or, or fetal development. So they lie in the title. So they lie in the title. They, they lie about the, the, the evidence that they have collected. Yeah. And the conclusion is 180 degrees off the truth. Yeah, if you if you read the title, it's completely opposite of what the actual data shows in the paper. They're that blatant. And by the way, no, there were no independent author co-author uh, on that paper. Only Pfizer employees and and their contractor Charles Charles River. Can they be held a lot? Can they be? This is a question I have. Can they be held liable for lying in their documents? Well, this is a scientific paper, and uh, you know I. I, I it, probably is it, is it part of the package that they're submitting to the FDA? Yes, it's part of the package to the, that they're submitted to the FDA. FDA accepted it, and then FDA and CDC pushed it onto pregnant women as if it's it's very very safe. Uh, I think yes, I don't, you know, decades ago, decades ago, uh, famil- uh, what is it called? Thalidomide. Thalidomide. That was produced in Germany. It was post-World War II. It was used on people because, because of uh, insomnia, okay, because people were uh-huh. suffering from PTSD after the war. And also they used it on pregnant women and, and the, 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 the deformed babies, that w- they had their, their fingers uh-huh. coming out of, of the sockets of their shoulders. These uh-huh. are deformed babies. They had about 10,000 that they knew about in Germany, and they tried to market that all over the world, knowing, knowing that it caused deformities. Yes, it wasn't approved in the U.S. It was used off-label in the U.S. Um, well, there was a, there was a famous woman. She was called Frances Kelsey, I think is her yeah. name. The FDA, mm-hmm. and she stood up. So this is 1960s. This is during Jack Kennedy's administration, and she stood up and she said, "No, no, no, no. I want more testing. I want more testing." And she finally mm-hmm. said, "No." Now, my understanding is um, that even though it was taken off, it, it was not accepted later. It was, and it was involved with some of the aids that Fauci was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, th- this this it's something that causes deformities should not be given to anybody. Uh, it, just, it just seems, especially especially men and women of childbearing years. I mean, the men have it longer than the women. So I mean, th- this is craziness that's going on here. It's 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 absolutely absolutely evil what they're doing. So that's you know so that one study showed your you know pregnancy prevention and uh, fetal malformations or baby malformations in the skeleton. 
And they go ahead and accept it and they market it as safe and effective. But then there were other studies in, in animals uh, showing that this lipid nanoparticle uh, distributes all over the body very quickly, accumulates in the ovaries. Uh, and anything accumulating in the ovaries is already a big problem. Doesn't really matter what's inside that lipid nanoparticle. Just nanoparticle, period, going into the ovaries is a big, big concern. And there were huge accumulations. Uh, and they were, uh, they actually terminated their animal experiment as it was accumulating. It was going up in the ovaries and they stopped the trial and they said, oh, they were recovering at the end. And th th so, let's, is so we may, we may, the audience may be confusing because when we're talking about that, there's no testing. And then we talk about that. There was some testing. There was some testing. But even those tests were abnormal. Explain that to the audience. Right. Yes, there were tests, and I have reviewed tests. Uh, but the tests were both fraudulent, uh, fraudulently designed, like I just described. When you have a signal increasing, you have a safety signal increasing, something is accumulating in the ovaries, and you stop experiment. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing it? Because you don't want to know what's going to happen. And you don't want anybody to know what's going to happen. That's fraud. That's scientific fraud. And no, no studies should be accepted with these kinds of designs. And that's Second, that's just like what we talked about when they 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 last week we talked about how Pfizer, you know, they they did some experiments on the the uh, the mice and the rats, mm -hmm. and then they did some they did experiments on monkeys mm -hmm. that were not susceptible to COVID, so they never should have been used as a specimen for any of the testing at that point in time. Although Pfizer went ahead and used them, those monkeys and uh -huh. then concluded that they that the shots that were given to them prevented them from getting COVID when it was sprayed into their, their nostrils and mouth. And that was fraud too, that scientific fraud too. Oh, of course, that's a scientific fraud too. When you use an animal model that doesn't get the disease and then you claim that you prevent the disease, you cannot do that. So let me ask you, in the, in the scientific community, in the pharmaceutical mm -hmm. industry, are people held accountable for, for doing this kind of scientific fraud? Normally, yeah, yes. Normally, so what happens to them? Normally, uh, well, in fact, uh, I know they're, uh, they, they can get uh, well, fired from their employer. I, I, I know, for example, if anybody did that in my company, they would get fired immediately, like on the spot, even like for minor stuff, not something major like this. Uh, you know, the, I, I've worked in the industry for 25 years. I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen a study design, like the study designs and protocols uh, take months to design. You have uh, a large committees. Usually everything is done with advisors, independent academic advisors. You may pull some consultant because it's an you know, area of specialty that you internally don't have and they have like some academic expertise. So you put together these groups of people, you have internal groups of people, internal quality control, half of pharmaceutical uh, employees are in some way related to quality control of something, manufacturing or, or uh, science experiments, uh, compliance, uh, auditing, tracking, you know, there's so many mechanisms are there. That's why I'm saying this is intentional because this would have been caught in like the the minute anything like this started in a normal environment with well you know well intentioned without malice it would have been caught immediately 
you know, and and this continued to this extent. Of course, it's intentional. All of all of these guys are on it. They have bought out. They're threatened, coerced. They signed NDAs. They can't speak. Uh, they offer gigantic options packages. Whatever they're doing, but this is this this is all completely completely fraudulent. So so that means if you go up the ladder, if you go up the corporate ladder, at some point somebody had a discussion. Make this happen. Mm -hmm. No questions asked. No answers given. Just yeah. make this happen. And that's the communication that had to come down from the top. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what about the board members? Because see, I, I, I kind of, I don't want, I want people to be held accountable. You and I have talked about this. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's not just the managers. It's not just the, 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 the C-suite. I want people on the board, people on the board to be held accountable, to be named and when I say held accountable, I, I, you know, I, I pray every day that there's a prosecutor out there somewhere on this planet that is going to move on this. I think it will have to be a prosecution will have to be from the state level. Federal government is gone. They're completely uh, they're mafia. They're in on this and they're driving this together with corporations. Um, uh, together with with these fraudulent corporations. And um, yes, the the whole. C-suite, the, the heads of the vaccine at Pfizer, all of Moderna executives, all of them have to be prosecuted for this fraud together with uh, federal government, uh, NIH, CDC, FDA officials, all of them. Uh, but it will probably have to come from the state level. The state level prosecutors have to wake up, see the injured that they're dealing with, uh, murdered and injured, uh, people who are going to have sterility forever. Um, and uh, I, uh, you know, th this needs to come from those states that we still have some, some honest people left in, in positions of power, such as attorney generals of the state, and start prosecuting it like they did with the opioid crisis, for example. Um, although that's a much lesser uh, problem than this. You know, it's a, it's amazing because, um, huh? and I recommend not just Bobby Kennedy's book, but the book Empire of Pain, which is about the Sackler family and the Purdue and the opiate crisis and the intention and how many people knew at what level. Uh, it, 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 this is not done behind closed doors. This is mm -hmm. done out in the middle of the room and, and the doors are open, the windows are open, the people are seated at the table and they're having discussions. Mm hmm yeah, uh, and and they and they all signed off on it, and anybody in uh, pharmaceutical industry like at Pfizer who sits in those meetings and looks at these uh, protocols and then looks at those reports like that pharmacovigilance report, and I I pointed it out to you last night that at the end so you go through pages and pages of horrific injuries of. Mm -hmm. Um, lost pregnancies, the, the loss of pregnancy was 90%. 90% of the women in their clinical trial who got pregnant and got injected uh, lost their babies. Mm. And, and so they go through this, this extensive report. At the end of it, they say uh, the benefit of our product outweighs the risk. And they sign off on this. I, with 90% with miscarriages are still going 90% miscarriages, 42,000 of horrific injuries of various kinds. That famous report where there were like nine pages of small typed adverse events going yes, to 1,200 12, plus different types of adverse events in the Pfizer yes. documents. And then, and then somebody at Pfizer, I, I want to sit down across from that person in person. I want to meet them in person. I want to look into their eye and I want to ask them, 
What made you sign off on that report when you read it? I really would like to know that. I'd, I'd like to meet them. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, who, who are those people? The, 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 the other thing that's amazing is inside the Pfizer documents, this is the, the nine pages, single space, 1200 plus adverse events. Mm -hmm. They talk about and they acknowledge, they cite that there are vascular and neurological injuries yes. from the Pfizer shot. Mm -hmm. Yet, yet we know through through speaking with, you know, and interviewing Vax injured since uh, early rollout in 2021, we know that th there are people who, who have taken the Pfizer shot who have neurological vascular. Pfizer knows it. These people are evidence of it. Mm -hmm. Yet the FDA, Dr. Marks, has not officially recognized the vascular and the neurological injuries, even though some of these Vax injured have spoken to him and his office and his colleagues, and they are fully aware that there are neurological and vascular injuries. So it's the, it's the we're not gonna recognize you people because mm -hmm. if we recognize you and the documentation from Pfizer, about what they have seen in their trials and your evidence of it having received the shot, then we would, we, we, meaning the decision of recognizing you, would create vax hesitancy. That's the only logical thing I can think that is going on here. They, they're, they're willing to go to the depths of hell, not tell you that they're taking you there, but, and not recognizing if they in fact harm people, they will just, Gaslight them. They they have they obliterated. Well, we did know. Well, now I can tell. I, I can say this publicly, mm -hmm. and and I have been saying it, but I'm going to keep on repeating it. We know that Vax injured have gone to the NIH, the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, uh, NIAID, even written to to Biden at the White House in May of 2021. And these people have have even some of them have sent their blood to the NIH, and I'm and I really mean that sent their blood to Dr. Nath's office at NIH. They have even had people in his office talk to some of the doctors on the outside. But when the FDA doesn't acknowledge these vascular and uh, neurological injuries, the CDC can't give protocols to doctors. That's why when Vax injured go to the ER, they go to their GP, they go to some of these neurological or vascular doctors. They can't, those doctors don't have any directions. They don't have any directives from the CDC because the FDA has not acknowledged them as, as a result of these shots. I mean, this is, this is, this is so consciously done. It's absolutely consciously Acts of omission as well as acts of commission. It's 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 diabolical. They not only they uh, gaslight these people at this federal level, like Peter Marks will ignore them, pretend mm -hmm. they don't happen, uh, they don't exist. The, at the hospital level, if you go in a large uh, state mm -hmm. hospital system, at the hospital level, the doctors are not allowed to even say a word "vaccine injured." So you can sit in front of them and say, "I'm vaccine injured." And they will be uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, and, and type something like anxiety into their epic system right. and, and refer you to a psychiatrist. OK, uh, because, you know, I mean, I mean, we have we have interviewed we've interviewed people who have right? basically the doctors have said, oh, you're suffering from anxiety as they're trembling. Right. And that's and I, I have a, I have a personal friend who uh, got a stroke and it was written 
in his chart as anxiety um, because of this. And, and this is coming from the top of the hospital, large hospital system administrations, which are all, of course, uh, held uh, at the gunpoint by their, you know, Medicare, Medicaid funding will be withdrawn if you step out of line from our, you know, federal directive. And the federal directive is to obliterate the existence of these people, pretend they do not exist, and there are millions of them. So every time Fauci, Peter Marks, or or a local hospital administrator does it, they victimize them again. Mm -hmm. uh, they victimize these people over and over and over again. Not only they get gaslighting them, they're telling them they're crazy, it's all in their head, it's anxiety, referring them to psychiatrists right. and pretending, you know, vaccines. There's no I I had a and this was before COVID, but and I was wondering what's going on. Uh, the the pediatrician pr prescribed something for my child and she started having a reaction. I documented it. I took photographs. It was pretty severe rash like burns on her hands, very symmetrical. And uh, I went and I said, look, this is what's happening. And they said, it's, it's not possible that drugs in general have any adverse reactions. That's what wow. I was told. Wow. wow. And this is a major New York State uh, hospital system where this pediatrician was employed. They said, no, th there's no possibility for drugs calling any adverse, making any adverse reactions. <laughs> I just, you know, I, 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 have, I, have to, like, I have to wonder, are people this stupid? I didn't know what to say. I was like, I, I, I work in clinical trials. Yes, they do. <laughs> we have a whole industry for this. Mm -hmm. And here's something that Brooke Jackson's uh, and, and folks, she's this is a woman who's suing um, Pfizer. Brooke Jackson pointed out to me in the in the Pfizer document dumps that are in the court now, there is um, it's a piece of paper that Pfizer submitted to the FDA. And we call it the Pfizer. We, we call it Pfizer, but it's actually um it's Upjohn and Pharmacia and Upjohn, all right? So it's Pharmacia Upjohn, and then in parentheses afterwards, it's Pfizer, all right? And it was interesting because that piece of paper correlates to a 2009 Department of Justice settlement with mm -hmm. Pfizer for $2.3 billion. And at that point in time, that was the largest criminal and civil fine. And, and it was with Pharmacia and Upjohn. And I, and I thought to myself, wow, so they filed these papers with FDA with the same shell under the same shell company, just mm -hmm. like they did over a decade ago. So to me, that's an indication that pharma knows they're, they're trying to protect the pharma, mm -hmm. Inc., all right, the corporation, Yes. For the stock. All right. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're when if they get caught, it's going to come under Pharmacia and Upjohn, just yeah. like it did over 10 years ago. So, I mean, yeah. so that, that tells me you've got the lawyers, the damage control, the C-suite, most probably the board members, mm -hmm. at least the financial committee or the governance committee of their board of directors. All right. Mm -hmm. You can't, you cannot do this without having everybody at the table thinking, how do we protect our stock? How do mm -hmm. we protect our shareholders? We may kill some people, but you know what? Let's just at least have some money so it doesn't take the entire, doesn't collapse the entire tent. 
Exactly. And it's not just the pharmacy of journalists for manufacturing. Yes. So, they, so they're going to, once they're caught, prosecuted, whatever, they will have pharmacy of John plead guilty for manufacturing, whatever fraud and, and incompliance. Mm -hmm. And then Pfizer will go on its merry way. But also uh, people should realize that this whole Pfizer product, the holder of the dossier of all the clinical trial, preclinical materials and uh, um, the uh, like the investigational new drug application in the US is not Pfizer, it's BioNTech, mm -hmm. which is a German company. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so at that point, at that, at that point, we have to say, okay, where's Germany? Uh, yeah. So uh, somebody, somebody needs to look into this, but the, the way they've designed it and assigned responsibilities also make sure. So they knew that they will get prosecuted at some point and it will come down that, that that's how they designed everything. So that Pfizer is protected, everything else falls. And they probably also figured out how to, you know, shuffle the money so that everybody can just clear it out and have nothing left. Uh, at the end, but uh, the the whole structure is Pfizer's remains and everybody else falls. Yeah. You know, so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so <clears throat> I want you to address somebody right now. Mm -hmm. I know three people inside Pfizer that have admitted to me that they know what's going on. They haven't walked out. They haven't walked out with the truck. I keep on telling them you got you got to get a truck driving to God right now. Just go out there, take 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 all the documents and walk out, and just, let's just shut this down. Sasha, talk to those people because those are those are colleagues. Those are colleagues. Not I'm not saying that they know you. I I don't know if they do or not because I've never come public with their names. But they, these are three people inside Pfizer that need yeah. to do the right thing. Yeah, most of the people I knew inside, inside Pfizer, they left. They were early retired. And I mean, that was also in hindsight, I know that that's, that was the change made on purpose. They retired all sorts of very experienced, very ethical, uh, real scientists. And, um, and I'm not right. saying that, uh, this was around, this was around um, 2008, 9, 10. There was a major change. They closed down a bunch of facilities. Uh, I was working with, and they closed down uh, a bunch of internal labs that they had. For example, they had their own cardiovascular safety lab, animal lab inside Pfizer. Uh, and now they do everything through contractors. And you know, it's easier to commit fraud with contractors. You just give them money and you tell them, I, I don't know what you're doing, just do it, okay? Uh, when it's your internal people and you have internal quality control and they're screaming right. at you, it's much harder to do it. Uh, so uh, anyway, so, but my colleagues have, sort of left retired, early retired. I don't have many people left uh, in, at Pfizer and everybody's circumstances are different, but I, 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 I don't know what to say, guys. I, you please review the papers that I'm mentioning. And I know you know what, you, what I'm talking about. Please review my materials. I publish uh, my findings. These are publicly available data uh, and you can see internal data. Uh, you can read the protocols, you can read internal pharmacovigilance reports, hopefully. I hope they're not keeping secret those from you. Uh, and just just uh, think about it and 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 maybe you know think about um, what do you what kind of world do you want to leave for your children? Would you like this to be the norm now? I know you know making money is great, but would you like this to be the future for your children and grandchildren?
would you like to have children and grandchildren? <laughs> or with Pfizer products, they would be sterilized. You know, so uh, I, that's what I want them to think about is really think about your family, your friends, your children, your grandchildren. Is it really worth it? Is it really worth to have this money and prestige of working at Pfizer where you know what they're doing is wrong? Uh, and I think you have to speak up. You have to find a way to speak up publicly. I, you know, pray for your safety. I, and I hope you, you know, you're smart about doing this. But this needs to come out. This this needs to come out. This needs to be prosecuted. This needs to be uh, brought to a stop. And at some point, somebody will be held accountable. That, that I mean, that's, that's that to me. It's getting these people to understand. It's better that you be a whistleblower under these circumstances than be, than be on the inside, silent and complicit. Because at some point, they're they're gonna <clears throat> push the responsibility on somebody else. Mm -hmm. They're gonna say, and, and a lot of times it's with the salespeople. A lot of times the CEOs and the guys at the top say, "Oh, we didn't we didn't say that." Under these circumstances, they did. Mm -hmm. Under these circumstances, they went out there. They went to Davos. They went to they went they they went to the media. <laughs> you know, it's really it's really hard to say that they didn't know. Yeah. It's, 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 it's there's a mountain of evidence that they knew there's a mountain of evidence i i i alone have huge amount of evidence and i've shared it all because you know there's no value coming after me because it's already all out there in public domain and, and i'm very good at networking and giving information to people so that's how i protect myself i just make it public immediately and mm -hmm. all kinds of people right away uh, and that's why I'm saying the evidence is overwhelming. If anybody wants to ask questions through you, for example, I can answer questions. I, I can tell you what kind of evidence exists uh, for what. And this will come down. The, the, the people, there will be repercussions. There will be closure. There will be prosecution. There will be hopefully another Nuremberg 2.0 trial. We all hope for it. And you guys, you're going to be on the wrong side of history. You have to start thinking about that. That's right. That's right. Well, now, Sasha, going forward, uh, next week, we're going to still stay with Pfizer. Um, and I want to have you back. We're going to have uh, two other people, Brooke and, and Warner, are going to come on. They're scheduled to come on for, for next uh, Sunday. And and if they can't, for whatever reason, um, because we want to, I want to talk about the, the Pfizer lawsuit that's out there. And then, and then, uh, then we're going to get going and we're going to take, we're going to take on Moderna. Mm -hmm. We're going to take on Moderna. Just, we're just going to chip away at this brick until the ice melts because <laughs> that's the only way to do it. And hopefully, you know, our audience picks up more information and Sasha, uh, you know, continue to publish and how, how do people find you? Uh, I have a uh, BitChute channel, Team Enigma, for I just uh, whatever evidence I have, I make a video presentation about it. And then I also write on uh, trial site news. It's an, it's an industry-focused, more pharmaceutical, healthcare industry-focused publication, which doesn't censor information. Uh, and I uh, suggest you know, all professionals in this industry sign up to this and read uncensored news. 
and also my my writing there is available without uh, payment, so it's a it's a free account which is sub subscribe. Right. And we're going to be republishing on on our site as well your documentation for people mm -hmm. because people need to read it. Sasha, thank you so much for for being with us on uh, in plain sight because the way you explain this is in plain sight, and that's what's so great about this. But thank you, and and we'll see you next week. Yeah, thank you very much, Christine. Have a great Sunday. You too.